Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier again from the Franklin Church of Christ, and I want to thank you for joining us as we open God's Word and allow it to teach us how to live in our world. Over the past five years, one of the hottest topics on the news repeatedly is ethics. Business ethics, situational ethics, we hear ethics discussed all the time. But what are God's ethics? Open your Bibles with me as we look at God's answer to the question, Is it ethical? I want to begin this morning by playing a little word association game. I'm going to say some words, and I want to find out what's the first thing that comes into your mind. Enron, WorldCom, Martha Stewart. I imagine what came into your mind were words like deceit, Lying, stealing, misappropriation of funds, unethical. Probably all of these things came into your mind and some even worse than that. Over the past five years, the concept of business, business ethics, because of stories like these, has really come into the forefront in the business world. And yet, what I've learned is that, regrettably, Christians have not been immune to these issues regarding ethics. Having heard various stories about various brethren in various locations, it concerns me that perhaps we need to bring this discussion of ethics and what is ethical into our own study of God's Word. I'd like you to consider a contrast with these stories found in the Word of God in 2 Kings chapter 22. In 2 Kings chapter 22, beginning at verse 3, the Scripture there says, Now in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, this is 2 Kings chapter 22 and verse 3, Now in the eighteenth year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. Let them deliver it into the hand of the workmen, who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And let them give it to the workmen who are in the house of the Lord to repair the damages of the house, to the carpenters and the builders and the masons, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered into their hands, for they deal Faithfully. Josiah said as he commissioned this repair on the temple, we're going to give money to these workers, but we're not going to worry about an accounting because we know these men are ethical. They deal faithfully. Wouldn't our world be so much better if folks in these companies were to behave this way? We as Christians need to ask ourselves, is it ethical? What we're doing at home, what we're doing here, what we do on the job, who are we more like? These men who repaired the temple or the folks whose names I had up on the board just a moment ago? Is it ethical? 
I want us to examine six biblical rules that will help us as we ask this question about the various things that we want to involve ourselves in. Six rules that will guide us, principles that will help us determine if what we are doing is ethical. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer? Glorious God and Father in heaven, we praise and honor you because you are worthy of glory. You're worthy of honor. Yours is the kingdom and the dominion and the power forever. We're so thankful that you allow us to come into your presence to worship and honor you. We're thankful for your Son, whose blood brings us through the veil into the most holy place before you. And Father, we're thankful that you meet with us and that you condescend to listen to our worship and listen to our songs and our prayers, that you allow us to teach your word. We're so thankful that you have forgiven us of our sins and made us holy. We recognize that we are undeserving. And we humbly come in Your presence, thanking You. Father, we pray especially this morning as we open Your Word that You will help us learn to stand above the masses of this world, to stand out and be different, to be a living sacrifice that's not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds through Your Word. And Father, we pray that in all our dealings, whether with our friends, our family, our brethren, or our co-workers, that we will be above board and that we will be ethical, that we'll be godly and holy according to Your standards. Help us, Father, to take the things that we learn from Your Word and not keep them here in Your Word or keep them within these walls, but to apply them to our lives every day. Father, strengthen us and help us. We recognize that through You, that You through us will accomplish more than we can ask or think. And we thank You for the opportunity to be of service to You. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Rule number one is what I call the bottom line rule. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is the number one rule. It's the governing rule. It's the primary rule. If this governs everything else we're going to talk about, really we ought to be able to just say, here's the rule of ethics. Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will be taken care of. We are going to look a little more in depth at some of the issues that fall under this heading, but this is it. This is the primary rule. You get this one right, you get everything else right. Seek God's kingdom and His righteousness first. What is our standard? God is our standard. His rule in our lives, His will is our standard. That is our bottom line. With everything that we do, whether it's here, at home, at work, at school, we need to be asking, what is motivating us? What am I hoping to accomplish by this? And when we can answer that I am seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness, then we are doing what is ethical. That's not the world standard. The world also has a bottom line rule. There are many folks in our world who do whatever it takes to affect that bottom line, but their bottom line is not about serving God. Their bottom line is about serving their pocketbook. They want to be concerned about what's going to affect their income, what's going to impact their retirement, what's going to happen to their portfolio, what will provide them with power and prestige and popularity, what will give them the material things of this world. That's the world's bottom line, but that, brethren, is not our bottom line. The question is not how much money will it make us. The question is not how much money will it make our company. The question is not what will it save. The question is, is it seeking God's kingdom and God's righteousness? We need to remember that it is only ethical 
when it's godly. It is only ethical when it's holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 14, Peter said this to us. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts with which you, excuse me, former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all, all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's our standard. In all our behavior, in business dealings, in relationship dealings, in dealings with brethren, God's holiness is our standard. Is it godly? Is it seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness? Then it's ethical. But under that heading, there's some things I'd like for us to particularly notice that will help us in our day-to-day lives. The second rule. The golden rule. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, you remember what Jesus said there? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law of the prophets. We memorize it this way. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How do you want to be treated? You want people to be nice to you? Then be nice to others. You want kindness and goodness and fairness and equity and justice? Then that's the way you need to treat others. Do you want others to give you their best output? Then you must give your best output. Do you want others to be honest and sincere with you and consistent with you? Then you must be honest and sincere and consistent. The problem that we have here, however, is our attitude towards ourselves and others. It's true that we want to do good things, we want to take care of others, but we want to look out for number one first. We're just too important and our needs and our desires are just too important to let those slide. We've got to get those out of the way first. And then once that's accomplished, once we've taken care of number one, then if we have more time and more resources left over and more opportunities, then I'll worry about you. But Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 provides a completely different perspective. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, the godly perspective, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. If I can just take an aside for those who are in my class in the morning as we talked about Moses. Remember Ron brought up Moses being the most humble man on the face of the earth. You remember what happened there? Aaron and Miriam had rebelled against him. It would seem that he had every right to be mad at them, to want them to be punished. But do you remember what his humility did when Miriam was plagued with leprosy? He saw her as more important. And instead of hanging on to his rights and being glad that she was punished, he prayed for her. He sought her good. Because in his mind, she was more important. What is our guideline, our rule, is I ought to treat others the way I want to be treated. Why? Because they're more important than me. Until we can grasp that, that the folks that are sitting around us are more important than we are, then we're not ever going to deal with them properly. But when we can put that into our hearts and humble ourselves and realize that these folks here the folks that you work with, 
the neighbors. So we're not going to deal with them selfishly and from empty conceit, but viewing them as more important than us. Then our dealings will be ethical. The bottom line rule, the golden rule. Thirdly, the honesty rule. When we thought about Enron and WorldCom and Martha Stewart, we thought of people and organizations that lacked integrity. Why? Because they lied. Because they cheated. Because they dealt dishonestly. And their dishonesty impacted many people. May have even impacted some folks here. I don't know what your portfolio had in it. But their dishonesty impacted a lot of people. That's not how we should live. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, Paul demonstrates that one of the things that sets Christians apart from the world is that the world, folks who aren't Christians, will lie. But we're supposed to be committed and devoted to the truth. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. That should govern us. We need to speak the truth. We need to be honest. Speak the truth in love. But that's what should govern our lives. We don't fudge the facts. We don't cut corners. We don't try to make ourselves look good. We just say, here's the way it is. And honest with others. If the car you're selling has an oil leak, you've got to tell them. If the house you're selling has mold in it, you've got to tell them. I know you all don't have as much of a problem with that mold in it as, as, uh, as we did down in Beaumont. But, you know, they have that truth in, in, in selling disclosure statement. You're supposed to put that on there. got to be honest. That's what we need to be doing in our dealings. Do you owe the taxes? Don't lie about it. Don't cheat on it. Be honest. Matthew chapter 5 demonstrates some of the honesty that we need to have beginning in verse 33. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 33 it says, Again you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say you make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it's the footstool of His feet, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great King. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you can't make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is evil. You know, interestingly, there are people who will play all kinds of games with honesty. They'll come up with these rules about the times when they actually have to tell the truth and other times when they really don't. There's a biblical example of that in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 16. Jesus said, Woe to you, Matthew 23:16. Woe to you blind guides who say whoever swears by the temple, that's nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important? The gold of the temple that sanctified the gold. And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important? Which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. You see, they had these rules. If, if, I, if I only swear by the temple, that doesn't matter. I, really, I don't have to tell the truth then. But if I swear by the gold of the temple now, then I have to tell the truth. I had a friend in college. This was my roommate. He never knew when he was telling you the truth. 
is always lying. But I don't know where he came up with this silly little thing, but if you had him swear on a stack of CDs, I don't know, he was really into music. If you had him swear on a stack of CDs, then he was telling the truth. Of course, that stack had to keep getting higher. You know, at one time it was one CD, then it had to be five. That's what happens when people are dishonest. They also keep changing their rules for when they have to be honest. But there in Matthew 5, Jesus provided the rule. What's our rule? Are you speaking? Tell the truth. That's our rule. Is your mouth moving? Be honest. There's another side of this honesty that is demonstrated in Psalm 15 and verse 4. In the 15th Psalm and verse 4, the psalmist asks God, Who may dwell on your holy hill? And there in verse 4, one of the answers is, He swears to his own hurt and does not change. One of the issues of honesty is if I make a commitment, I'm going to keep it. There are a lot of folks in the business world today that will tell you a a verbal agreement is not worth the paper that it's written on. The reality is for us, our words should be our bond. If we said it, we're going to do it. And we don't have to shore it up by saying, I promise. Well, yeah, I know I said I would do it, but I didn't say I promise I would do it. I had my fingers crossed behind my back. If we said we're going to do it, then do it. We said you're going to be there at a certain time, be there at a certain time. We said you're going to get a certain job done, get the job done. That's honesty. Even when it hurts, even when it causes you to lose money, that's honesty. I had a friend who bought a car from his brother-in-law. The brother-in-law was being nice to him. Didn't make him go through a bank. He said, you know, you just pay me back on your own. Basically, he financed it. Didn't didn't sign any contracts, didn't sign any papers, you know. He hadn't even made the second payment to his brother-in-law, and there was a humongous hailstorm. I mean, it trashed that car. Trashed it to pieces. And suddenly my friend thought that, well, that meant he shouldn't have to pay for it. That's dishonest. When we make an agreement, when we commit, even when it hurts, we keep our word. Because when we're honest, then it's ethical. The extra mile rule. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 41, Jesus said, Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. The picture that Jesus was presenting made specific sense in the time that he said it because the Jews were a slave nation to Rome. Because of their slave status under Rome, because of their subjection to Rome, If a Roman soldier or government official came along and said, I've got this bag I want to move, you carry it, then they had to do it. You remember when Jesus was carrying his cross and he couldn't, the soldiers pulled a man out of the crowd and said, you carry this? That was the law. They were allowed to do that. And basically what Jesus says is, if some some guy comes along and presses you into service and says, you go with me one mile, you go with him too. Go the extra mile. Mile. Do more than is required. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever you're doing, don't give a, a half attempt or a half effort. Don't just try to be good enough. Because if all you're trying to be is good enough, I guarantee you that will never be good enough. Go the extra mile. Ephesians chapter 6. I recognize 
that Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 was dealing specifically with the slave and master relationship. But I believe there's a great principle here that we need to learn really in all of our relationships. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he'll receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Now, I want you to think about this. If a slave who is not getting paid, who might be beaten, ought to treat their master in this way and the work that they do, how much more should we, who are employees, who get paid for what we're doing, ought to live this way on our jobs? Serving our employers as though working for Christ. Giving our best effort, not just as men-pleasers, not just trying to look good, but actually really being good. Doing the absolute best we can do. And really that applies in every relationship. Go the extra mile. As one person says, you can be sure. The road is not crowded on the extra mile when we're going the extra mile, when we're doing our best, when we're doing it with all our might, then, then it's ethical. The time management principle. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. I believe when Paul says we need to do this because the days are evil, he's making an allusion back to Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 12, where he says, Man does not know his time like fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. Paul's basic statement is you've got to make the most of the time you've got right now because the days are evil and you might get snared in the trap of death before this day is over. So you need to redeem your time. And we need to remember that principle in all our relationships, whether it's with our brethren, our families, our neighbors, our friends, or our co-workers. We need to be using our time to its most effectiveness with them. But I think especially when we consider the time management principle, we need to think about our work lives. Because, brethren, when we're on the clock, our boss is not paying us to play computer solitaire. Our boss is not paying us to daydream. Our boss is not paying us to add an extra five minutes to the coffee break here or there. He's paying us to work. And we need to manage that time in order to serve our boss. Now, I know some of us are going to say, yes, but I am managing my time in accord with how much they're paying me. Well, then let me remind you the last rule. Go the extra mile. That's what we need to be doing using our time wisely in all our relationships, especially on the job. Because when we're using our time wisely, then it's ethical. And the final rule is the consistency rule. There are some people that have the idea that ethics is on a sliding scale. It's like one of those standardized tests or or an application where they'll say to you, on a scale from one to five, how ethical are you? Five means I'm, I'm always ethical. Four means, well, most of the time I'm ethical. Three means, well, on average, about half the time I'm, I'm about as ethical as I am unethical. just kind of depends on which day you find me. Two says, well, I'm not really all that ethical. And one says, oh, I'm not ethical at all. That's not the way it works. We're either ethical or we're not ethical. 
God has a standard of ethics that we're supposed to have all the time. And we might say, well, I'm ethical at home. I'm ethical when I'm with my brethren at church. But if you're not ethical when you're on the job, then you're just not ethical. There's no sliding scale here. There's no issue of, well, most of the time, under most circumstances, but boy, when the pressure gets hot, then I might do something unethical. When it's really, really important, then I might do something unethical. We're either ethical or we're not. James chapter 3 and verse 17. James chapter 3 and verse 17 describes the wisdom that we need to have. And James said, The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. What does that mean? That says our words line up with our actions. Our thoughts line up with our words and actions. And we are consistent. We don't live by one standard at home and one standard with the brethren and another standard at work. We have the same standard all the time. I remember one time in Texas, I met with a man. The elders were meeting with me. He, he was falling away. He was leaving the church. Oddly enough, he was blaming me. And so I was there. And he said, uh, he started cussing, started using some foul language. And one of the elders called him on the carpet and he said, oh, come on, it's just us guys here. You see what was happening? Now, he would have never used that language if he was here because that way, that's the standard and we're, we're letting everybody know. But hey, just around the guys. Well, that's a completely different situation. I can have a completely different set of standards. His real ethics were shining through. It's ethical when we are consistent. I think about the Pharisees. They had different standards in different situations. If you look again in Matthew chapter 23, this time in verse 14. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 14, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Matthew 23:14, because you devour widows' houses and for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you'll receive greater condemnation. They had one standard when they were in front of people worshiping, but when it came to their business lives and taking care of their retirement, they had a different standard. And I can almost hear it right now, like my friend I mentioned a minute ago, one of them saying, oh, come on, guys, this is just business. I mean, a guy's got to make a living, doesn't he? Different standards. I'm not saying that we don't ever mess up. I'm not saying that we don't ever do anything that's not right. We sin, and that's why Jesus died. But if we've got one standard at home and one standard and with the brethren and one standard when we're at work, we're being hypocrites and we are not being ethical. We need to be living by the standard of doing what is right and what is good so that God can be glorified. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Jesus said, Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And whether we're on the job or at home or at school or with our neighbors and friends or with our family or with our brethren, everything we do needs to be about glorifying God so that our light will shine. We'll stand out. Some folks will think we're weird for it. But that's the kind of ethics that we need to have. And so the question for us is, who are we more like? Are we like those folks we read about in 2 Kings chapter 22? Or are we like the folks we've seen around us in the world over the last five years? We follow these rules. 
And we'll be like those men, and people will be able to say, I don't have to ask them. I know, they deal faithfully. Then, it's ethical. I hope this lesson was helpful as we learn God's standards of ethics. Let's remember the rules we learned today. Rule number one, the bottom line rule. Seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. Rule number two, the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Rule number three, the honesty rule. Always tell the truth in love. Rule number four, the extra mile rule. Always go above and beyond the call of duty. Rule number five, the time management rule. In whatever aspect of your life you're dealing, you need to redeem the time. And rule number six, the consistency rule. It doesn't matter what part of your life we're talking about. You need to apply all of these rules the same. Only then is it ethical. If someone gave you this lesson, let me encourage you and invite you to come to our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. You're free to download any of the studies and sermons. We have audio format and outline format, and you can use those in any way that you believe will glorify God and help people serve Him. If you have any questions about ethics, about obeying God, about the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359, or you can contact us through our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.